Praise God. It's about Jesus, isn't it? I mean, that's why we're here this morning, right? That God had something very special in mind when he sent his son on our behalf. So we're just delighted to to share with you on Easter Sunday. It's great to see all of you here. Um, God has a rescue story that he's been telling. And so today we're going to talk about God's rescue story. You ever been in need of rescue? You ever been in a pickle? A jam? You've been in a place that you couldn't figure out how to get out of on your own and you needed intervention. Don't you hate that? I know I do. Man, I want to do it all on my own. But Easter isn't about that, is it? In fact, I figured out along the way, it's better to be the one that's the rescuer than the rescuee. I guess there's just been a lot of times in my life where I've had to be rescued. Uh, Several things come to mind. Uh, The most prominent one, though, I'm going to tell you a story. This was several years ago, and my kids were little, and they all got the stomach bug. And I wanted to run right there. But we hung with it. And uh, but um, <clears throat> it wasn't just like they got a little queasy in their tummy or something. Like that. It was like projectile, right? It was like a contest to see who could go the furthest. It was it was bad. And so all this goes down, and and a couple days pass, and I was supposed to go out of town on a hike, and my wife and I are just waiting to see the kids get better, and we're just like, okay, I know you're going to get it. No, you're going to get it, and one of us is going to get sick. But a couple days go by. And none one of us gets sick. And so I go on my planned hiking trip with a couple of buddies. We were going to do five days and four nights on the Appalachian Trail. Sounds fun, right? So we have a good time. We're hiking along. Second day, by the miracle of cell phones, I learned that my wife now has the stomach bug. And I went, uh-oh, uh-oh. The third day on the hike, guess who got the stomach bug? I did. I did. And we're in the, in the mountains of North Carolina, God knows where, and I'm puking I'm like boots are coming out. You know, it's ugly. And I said, I don't want to be on this mountain anymore. And I called the only person I knew I could call. I called my dad. I called dad. About the third time, he didn't hang up. <laughs> and he came in the middle of the night and picked me up, rescued me. Isn't that good? He's got a lot of leverage over my life. I mean, he's got a lot of leverage. I fixed his cell phone the other day, and he said that still didn't make up for it. But I thought maybe that would do it. I tell you what, it's, it's a hard word. Maybe the hardest word for us to say is help. I need help. There's some pride-swallowing, ego-swallowing part of that that we don't like, and I know I don't like, to admit that I need help. But you know what? Admis- admitting we need help is really what Easter is all about. It is God's intervention in our lives to provide the help that we are so desperate to have. That's what Easter is all about. It's why Jesus came. It's why Jesus died on a cross. It's why he rose again, that we might be rescued from our situation, rescued from ourselves. And so I I know this, God has, since the beginning of time, has been on rescue mission to rescue us from ourselves and to rescue us from our situations. And here's the deal. In this group, there are three groups of people this morning. There are some of us that would say, listen, I know all about that rescue mission because I was rescued. God intervened in my life 
And he radically changed my life and he has helped me the way I could never help myself. If that's you this morning, here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to remember what God has done for you. I want you to go back to that moment and praise him for what he's done for you. And I also want you praying for the other two groups this morning. Because there's another group in here that would say, I have never been rescued. And in fact, I didn't even know I needed to be rescued. I mean, that's kind of news to me. I mean, I thought you just go to church and you do your thing. Uh, you know, maybe, I, you know, if you think about God, you just think, well, he's kind of like, he's kind of like that teacher in high school that he just, I, maybe I didn't quite have the grades, but he just kind of passed me through anyway because he's tired of looking at me. And God will just say, you get to the pearly gates and go, oh, well, you're close enough. Come on through. Maybe the fact that you don't need, know that you need rescuing is, is you've got your faith in something, but it's something other than the man that we talked about on the screen a few minutes ago. And if your faith is in religion or in uh, morality or your upbringing or an experience that you had and it's not rooted in the one person that it should be rooted in, then you, then you need rescue. There may be a third group, in fact, I'm sure there is, that needs rescuing knows they need rescuing, and yet they're not willing to admit to God that they need his rescue. Can I just pray? I believe God is here in this place this morning to convince those two last two groups that he is the God that they can trust, that he's the God we can rely on, that when he came down, he came for not just the world, he came for you, and he came for each one of us, and he wants to rescue you this morning. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we believe that you're that God. You're the God of rescue. You're the God who helps us. You're the God who saves us. You're the God that redeems us. You're the God that's in this place. You're the God that made this place. You're the God of creation. You're the God of salvation. And you call all things back to yourself. So God, I pray this morning, my prayer is that you would call those that you want to rescue in this room today, call them to yourself. And may they respond in the name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, I can tell you, I needed rescue. I needed rescue. I didn't want to admit that. I didn't want to admit it. I went to church week after week, growing up, great home. Parents were good to me. I was a good kid. Even they say that. I should have recorded that. They even say I was a good kid. But even being a good kid wasn't good enough. And I didn't want to admit it, but I finally realized that I needed God to intervene in my life. And I'm so glad I asked him to because he rescued me. And here's what I know. He's the rescuing God and he wants to rescue you too. Here's, here, here's just, a, just a quick uh, sweep through the scriptures. You can see there was a family, his name was Lot and his wife, and they were living in a, in a city, in two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, that were going to be destroyed because of their wickedness. And God, what? Rescued them from that. Then the Israelites were trapped in Egypt for 400 years in slavery and they couldn't rescue themselves. They were trapped there and God saw their plight and he reached down through his servant Moses and he rescued them. Then you look at like say the prophet Daniel. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den, a a den of lions. God shut their mouths for an entire night and he rescued them from that peril. There was a flood And that flood covered the earth. But out of that flood, there was a man named Noah and Noah and his family were rescued from God's judgment. In fact, I wanna hone in on him for a minute here. If you've got your Bibles, great. If not, the verse will be on the screen. Genesis 6 says this. God says to Noah, 
I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. say, why would God do that? Well, the scriptures make it very clear. It was a wicked world. All the inclinations of everyone's heart all the time was wickedness, it says. It says, yeah, but, but God flooding and killing everybody, that sounds extreme. Why would God, why would he do that? Why did he have to kill them? I mean, that's a tough question uh, to, to ask, but I think it needs to be answered. And here's the answer. He's God. And he can't cease to be God. And if the God that we worship isn't the God that deals with wickedness, if he's not the one of justice, if he's not the one of holiness, then he's not the God you and I long to see one day. He's the God that must deal with wickedness if he's good. And he's good. And so he says, listen, I'm going to be that God because I am that God and I can't change that. And heaven is going to be a place where wickedness does not exist. Let me ask you this. Can you change your colors? Can you become a different person than you are today? Oh, come on now. Yeah, you can. You can, can't you? I tell my wife all the time, we've been married almost 19 years now. I said, why did you marry the 23-year-old version of me? That guy was an idiot. I made, well, I'm not going to ask her. (laughs) Hopefully I've made a little progress in 19 years. We change all the time. We, we, there are times where we do things out of nature and out of a character for ourselves, don't we? we? Sometimes we turn over a good leaf and sometimes we see people fall off the deep end. We can change. God cannot. God does not change. He will not change because his nature is set and he is that God who is holy. And so he must deal with sin. You know what holiness is. I love this. Whenever I'm hanging around people that don't know I'm a pastor, I, I get a kick out of this. It's usually at the ball fields or at the gym. And uh, I try not to let the secret out of the bag. That, that's what I do and that's who I am. And, uh, and so they'll be sometimes cussing around me, you know, and I'm just smiling along. And then they find out I'm a pastor somewhere along the way, right? And they come up to me and they apologize for everything they've, they've said, <laughs> like just kind of a cover blanket statement, right? And I want to say, uh, you know, I want to say, what is that filthy language that flows from thy lips? <laughs> but I don't do that. I should. I had to read the King James all week to say that one line. That was, that was difficult. <laughs> so that means we have a sense of what holiness is, don't we? We know there's a right and wrong and an ought and not ought to do kind of things. We know what holiness is. And because God is holy, he must judge sin. So the question really shouldn't be, why did God flood the earth and kill those people? Why did God rain down on Sodom and Gomorrah? Why is God going to one day judge sin? The real question should be, why did God rescue any of us in the first place? That's the question. Why didn't God just wipe us out? Why, why, why? We sang about why, because he loves us, because he's a compassionate God because he's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. He has compassion for his children and he loves each one of us. And because that's who he is, not only is he just and holy, he's loving and compassionate and the justice and and holiness of God and the love and compassion of God met at a place called the cross. 
And because that's who he is, that's what he did. Well, in Noah's case, God rescues him. He says this, he says, but I will establish my covenant with you and, when you, and you will enter the ark. He's saying, listen, I'm making a way of escape. I'm here to rescue you. And the correlation to Easter is pretty obvious, isn't it? God has made a way of escape from his wrath. Instead of it being a boat that we get on, there was a cross that Jesus Christ went on. And because of the cross and the resurrection, that is God's means of escape for us. Every single one of us, that's God's rescue plan for us. Now, what may not be as obvious as as the correlation there is the urgency. Both of these times were urgent times. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 24. He's saying this, he's talking about Noah, and he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. He says, when I come back, it's gonna be the same thing as Noah's day. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. They had no idea what was coming. So it will be coming, and then he says this, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came, until it was too late. And it took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be at the grinding, hand, grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. He's saying, listen, it's the same thing. Today feels like a normal day and every kind of day, just a regular day. It's just another Sunday. Let me tell you something. It's not. There's an urgency about this thing because the suddenness of life can happen. Sickness is sudden. An accident. You ask Adam Lipford. Let me tell you something. He stood on this stage last week and he told us about how he was telling people about Jesus. The next morning he got in a car accident. I don't know, Adam, if you're here. Love you, brother. You ask him about how sudden it can happen. Jesus could come back today. He could come back today. See, there's an urgency about it. And unless we have been rescued, we will be swept away just like the people in Noah's day. So the question is, are we rescued? Look at what the New Testament says about Jesus Christ. It says, the Lord Jesus himself gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present age. He gave his life to rescue us from our condition. And then in First uh, Thessalonians 1, it says, Jesus is the one who rescues us from the coming wrath. See, the people not on the boat didn't realize the waters were coming, did they? They didn't see it happening. We can sit around, we can go to work, we can go to school, we can do, go about our daily lives and never see it coming. But it's coming. It's coming. See, our rest, the rescue mission of God culminates in a person, Jesus Christ. And if our faith is in him and in him alone, we've been rescued from the coming wrath. But if our faith or if we lack faith, if it's in anything other than Jesus Christ, we are the ones in trouble. Jesus said it this way. Jesus himself said, you can't misinterpret this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. He's saying, listen, God did have a rescue mission and it's me, it's me, it's found in me. You've got to know me to be rescued. Now, why would Jesus say that? I can tell you this because there's nobody else coming for you. 
There's nobody else coming for you. He's the only one. There's no other God that loves you like he does. There's no other God that made you and passionately pursues you and died on a cross for you. He's it. He's the plan of God for the salvation of mankind that we might know the God who made us and loves us. It's in Jesus Christ. If we, Jesus came to rescue you. I mean, that's as simple as I can say it. Jesus came to rescue each one of us. If our faith is found in anything other than him, it's not gonna work. He's the only way. So the question might become, how does somebody find that? How does somebody get rescued? It's about Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, but what do I do? What is my response to that? What if you're here this morning and say, I I want that. I want to be rescued. I want to know this rescuing God that loves me that much. If that's who you are, then listen up. God says it as simple as you can. To be rescued by God, all you have to do is admit it. I need rescuing. I need help. I can't get myself out of this one. There's going to be a day that I won't be able to answer for my life. I need rescuing. and you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You surrender your life to him. Now, surrender sounds bad. We don't like the thought of surrender, do we? Surrendering is like a form of weakness, isn't it? When I give up, we've been taught not to do that, right? And, and generally, that's true. That's it. But when we surrender to him, it's different. Now, let me give you an illustration. Sometimes surrendering is the right thing to do. Any married couple will know this. When you're arguing with one another, the last thing you want to do is win. Do you hear me? Am I right? Because if you win the argument, you lose the war. Ain't that right? And so, and by the way, guys, if you've ever won an argument with your wife, it's because she's let you win the argument with your wife. She just got tired of talking to you. He's saying the same stupid thing over and over again. When you surrender, you win. There's times that that's true. This is one of those times. When you surrender, you win. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you win. When he surrendered his life, think about this. When he willingly, he didn't have to go. When he willingly went to the cross, he surrendered his life, his body to the will of the Father that he would be the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And when he surrendered himself to that, he conquered hell, he conquered sin, and he conquered death. I'd say he'd win. What about you? Did he win on that day? We're celebrating a a victory today, are we not? He won. Yeah, give him praise for that. When he surrendered, he won. Guys, when we surrender our lives to him, we get to win too. Because all the sin and all the shame and all the condemnation that is heaped upon us in our life, it is taken away and removed because it got bore on a cross on your, for your, in your stead so you don't have to carry it anymore. He took it from you. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you win. We, we entitled this whole series, we've been doing Rescue Me. And I think there's a personal element to that I wanna bring out. Because it's about each individual person here. Because you can't ride anybody's coattails of faith. 
It doesn't matter what anybody you know believes or what kind of home you were brought up in. There is going to be nobody, none of those people will be standing with you on the day of judgment. I I think you need to understand, this is a personal choice you need to make. If you've never been rescued, you need to ask for his rescue today. On the day of judgment, if nobody's standing with you, but then you know Christ and he stands with you, that'd be a good thing, wouldn't it? He says, I've got this one covered, Father. The wrath you have for him, I bore. The mistakes they've made, I've already paid for. The sins, the sins are gone, Father. I've paid for on their behalf. Oh, Father, I, I claim this one as my own. Now, that'd be a good day, wouldn't it? So my question is, have you been rescued? Have you asked Christ to rescue you? I mean, that's the question this morning. And while you're pondering that, I want to tell you a quick story. In fact, imagine yourself uh, in World War II in a concentration camp. You've been taken prisoner. And it's very clear that the power that holds you is greater than the power that is in there to get out. And there's no escaping. And you are completely helpless to be rescued. And your only glimmer of hope that keeps you alive day after day is thinking maybe somebody out there, maybe there's some good guys out there, maybe there's some good uh, armies marching against the armies of evil and they're going to rescue and liberate us someday. That would be your only hope. Now imagine you're a four-year-old girl and your name's Elaine Geller and that's where you were. She came and spoke to some of the middle uh, elementary schools a few weeks back. She's one of the last surviving Holocaust survivors of the Holocaust. She was four years old when she went into a concentration camp. She said, I stole, I ate toothpaste, and I drank urine to stay alive. She said, but even in my staying alive, I couldn't rescue myself. I was just keeping my body alive one more day. Guys, life is more about keeping your body alive one more day. It's about being rescued, about being liberated. It's about being set free from the captivity you may not even know you're in. God wants to set you free and rescue you. Jesus said it this way. He knew, he knew the moment he stepped out of heaven why he'd come. It's to save you and to save me, to rescue you and to rescue me. So he's talking to his disciples in John 11 and he's thinking about the cross. And he raises Lazarus. He's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And Martha's like, if you'd have been here earlier, you could have saved him. He's like, no, no, Martha, you don't understand. And this is what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. I bring things that are dead back to life. I'm gonna bring myself back to life. God is gonna raise me from the dead. You don't understand. In just a few uh, short years, I am the resurrection. You're gonna one day see I have power over death. It holds no sway over me. I am the resurrection and the life. This is what he says. The one who believes in me will live. You mean it's that simple that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you'll live Yes. Jesus said to himself, the one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I was talking to my little one yesterday. I said, isn't it be cool that we get to spend forever in heaven together? She said, oh yeah, dad, that sounds good. 
Then he asked this question. Jesus is asking this question. He's not just asking it to Martha. He's asking it to each one of us today. And his last question after saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, you can have life. And he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? doesn't matter what anybody sitting around you believes. It doesn't matter what your parents believe. Do you believe this? I believe he's asking each one of us this morning, do you believe this? Is your hope found only in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Is Jesus your only hope? And have you said, God, rescue me? There's three groups in here this morning. And if you know you need rescuing today, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. If God's been speaking to you to say, hey, you've got religion or you've got these other things, but you don't have me, you never let me in, I've never rescued you, today, if God's calling your name, you respond today. I'm gonna challenge you to take this card after we're done praying and you're gonna let us know that Jesus Christ is now your savior, that he's gonna save you from your sins. If that's the desire of your heart, guys, I wanna pray with you. Everybody, if you bow your heads and close your eyes. And Father, as nobody's looking around, as we're just doing business with you, the question on our minds this morning is, do you believe this, that Jesus rose from the dead? And if anyone here needs to put their faith in you, God, today's the day that you've been calling their name and they realize they need rescue. Without anyone looking around, just slip your hand up, say, I need God to rescue me today. God, rescue me. Put your hand up. Praise God. Who else? Praise God. Anybody else? Rescue me, God. I see you. Thank you, God. Just tell God this. Rescue me. I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus died in my place and I put my faith in him. Save me, Lord. I surrender my life to you. God, we thank you for how it's that simple that you made a way, that you rose from the dead to give us life. We celebrate you this morning. God, thank you for your saving power. Thank you that you're still on your throne. Thank you that we can exalt you and worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.